in one of my old jobs, a guy used to get a lift with a lot, had Pokemon Go as his sat nav. Just like <laughs> what driving you around Manchester. <laughs> he just had it, like, I don't know how it works because I don't understand Pokemon Go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 73 of the Picky Bastards podcast, a place where three men agree with each other on music just about enough to make you think that we respect each other. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm Sam and I'm joined by Matt. Hi Matt. Hello. And Fran. How's it going? Hi Fran. Hi Sam. We could have a whole podcast on how Matt's going to say hello each month. It's yeah. it's different and I, weird each month. Just but, try to like to got to spice it up. Variety. Yeah. Keep it different. Yeah. yeah. Better than hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very tired today. I woke up at four o'clock in the morning three day three days in a row. So don't expect much cheery sound from my voice today mm. don't worry we don't usually anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's, this, what's this cheery sound <laughs> I, don't know, I don't do cheery sounds really as always we've got a playlist of four new releases and a classic album none of us have heard before and then someone does a playlist of music that they love a lot uh this month the four new releases are uh, madra by new dad the legend of abm by angry black men People Who Aren't There Anymore by Future Islands and Dark Rainbow by Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Um, the classic is What's You Gonna Do For Me by Shaka Khan. And I will be telling Matt and Fran why I love Bjork. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Fran, what album did you connect to lyrically the most? Okay, so yeah, on the surface, this seems like a perfect question for me. I bang on about lyrics all the time in every episode. So yeah, I suppose you're thinking, ask Fran about lyrics and he'll have an obvious and clear and coherent <laughs> answer. But you decided to ask me on an episode when in reality, I didn't hugely connect to any of the lyrics. Um, there were definitely a couple of albums I really connected to. But then when you asked the question, I started thinking about why. It wasn't really the lyrics. Um, so I thought about this from the angle of which album at least had moments where the lyrics did grab me and make me think, even if they weren't ones that I personally directly connect with and that would have to be the angry black men album the, the legend of abm um, i feel a bit wrong saying that connected to lyrics of this album the most because in many ways my life is nothing like what they're rapping about they talk about living in a neighborhood where people are leaving in a body bag a lot that's one of the lines they you know my life isn't like that and i can't, can't imagine what it is like to live in that life but but then they also talk about experiencing racism about living in a fucked up economy, which we can all connect to that right now. And they talk a lot about struggles with mental health. So these are all things that I can definitely understand and relate to. Um, there's a verse in Suicidal Tendencies where they rap about friends not understanding the changes you have to make in your own life to manage your mental health, which really, that that really does relate for me. Um, and they do have a song where they just largely scream fuck off on repeat for every <laughs> chorus. So, I mean, I don't know who can't connect to that feeling at some times. Um, yeah, but as well as connecting in that way, they, there are also just some brief lines throughout and some rhymes that really impressed me and caught my attention. And that was a large part of why I did really like this album. I think the lyrics do do grab you. I also do worry that I might have nicked Matt's answer for his next question, because I know you're going to ask him about production. Uh, because for me, I think it was the production that was the really exciting element of this album. I think for a pretty small artist with a a clearly very DIY ethos to the production. They make some really exciting and unusual sounds here. I think it's really dark and crunchy and surprising throughout. Um, they use some real industrial sounds, which I really liked. 
And I love just how harsh the album can be. I think um, the song Dead Man Tell No Lies is my favorite track for those reasons. It's just really sort of harsh and uh, and heavy. Um, so yeah, I do feel a bit odd saying I connect to the lyrics of an album which often talks about experiences I can't even imagine. But I also think there's a lot that's universally relatable here and they dress it in such a dark and interesting tone. So I think it's a really, really good listen. And I was also just really surprised to see quite how small this album is when you look at it. I'm only judging it on Spotify players, yeah. but it's really low numbers. So I think for the sound that they're creating, that they deserve to be yeah, yeah. a bit more, for sure. So yeah. yeah, that was me. Do you want to jump in, Matt? Talk about yeah, that? sure. Well, so Fran would be right. I was going to pick this, I stole so he, answer, sorry, uh, mate. he thieved it from <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, to like focus on a few of the specific aspects that Fran was kind of talking about with the production um, and the the beats, I thought um, they really effectively matched a lot of the beats and the sounds to the topic. Um, like when you listen to Grind, the beat is kind of all over this place and it has kind of this almost like old school robot sci-fi industry sound to it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes it like this kind of matches really effectively with this idea of grind, which is the nine to five and this machine like existence of just working to survive. Um, and so I thought that was incredibly effective and sim- similarly with a completely different tone, but uh, in uh, fuck off mm. the um, kind of, it kind of deviates from that clean, clean sound. And it's very like blown out um, at points. And so when you get to like this, the really high points when he's really delivering, like, or they're kind of getting to that emotional anguish, this, the the vocals themselves become kind of distorted, like they're pushing beyond the kind of gating. And also the, um, uh, the, the beats themselves also become more blown out as well. So I think it's really, really cleverly done to match match the songs in that way i also just i think we haven't covered like a really great industrial sounding rap album in a while no. um so i i've generally pretty enjoyed this i think uh, musically i've like i think we we talked at the end of the podcast last time about how i've been listening to a lot of mandy indiana because i just found them and i found a lot of the beats were making me think of this as well because they do have that kind of disorienting claustrophobicness to them throughout so um yeah i think the the only drawback maybe for the album was um it's it's a 110 the whole way through um mm. and it's a lot um <laughs> and so a little bit more up and down would have made it a more maybe a more i said not that it's not interesting but so you don't get fatigued as much um mm. but yeah sense. yeah yeah i i mean i pick the question specifically because this was good. this would be my answer for what the question I'm going to ask Matt. Uh, so yeah, you're both right about that. Um, because I do, I do think there's nothing on this playlist that has the impact like musically that this mm-hmm. album has. Um, it's really impactful and really kind of an initial uh, kind of like it, it, the, it has this like chaotic grinding noise on some of the tracks um, and it's that's that like industrial sound that we're talking about i really like that on fna um yeah. or and I, but then i also really like the, the more the, maybe the darker energy on something like fuck off i feel like the music and mm. the feeling of the album is always so exciting i i do kind of agree with you matt i wonder if it entirely comes together as a full album 
as like one listen. It, for me, it kind of ends up feeling like a highlight of a wider album. Like it, yeah. it would be like a, it's a really exciting interlude on a separate album that, that just seems to go on longer than it probably needs to. Um, it's really daring and exciting in its own right, but I feel like it maybe needs to be surrounded a bit by something that speaks for itself a bit more. Because I actually found that like lyrically, I, f- I felt like it gets a bit lost within itself because of how um, powerful the production ends up being. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed like the, that's like synth, the industrial sound on something like Sabotage. I, I think it's a long time since I've heard a rap album manage to work against production like this. Um, yeah, I, I think there's never a moment when their verses don't hit hard. Um, mm. I think it's, it, I can see there's consistency there. Um, I think dead men tell no lies. That's, that's a definite highlight in terms of that. Um, but I do think it maybe starts to feel a bit too repetitive. The more that I was listening to it this month. Um, yeah, but really good. I think we all got a lot yeah. from that for yeah. sure. Um, so yeah, good pick. Um, so yeah, we've talked about this question, but Matt, which album's production excited you the most other than that album? <laughs> well, I'm going to flip the question if that's okay. You can and flip the like, question. Um, because there's like, there was a clear standout at the top and for me there was a clear standout at the bottom. Mm. Um, and for, at the bottom for me was Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes with Dark Rainbow. Um, I felt like this was a... Queens of the Stone Age or Royal Blood, Blood with the big rock riffs, but there was no bite or edge. And some of that was from the production. Nothing sounded big or angry or exciting. It all felt very shiny and very um, safe, despite it was the fact that it was this supposedly edgy rock musician. Um, it kind of just felt... It was like pop rock, cheesy pop rock most of the time. Um, the first song about making love is really cringe. Uh, <laughs> I, I would forgive him if he's like, I don't know, like maybe 19 or 20, but this guy's like 40. <laughs> I remember listening to him in Gallows uh, when I was that, like 18 or 19, and... I thought lyrically he was, and musically he was a lot more interesting then. And I haven't really listened to him since. And it just, it felt somewhere between boring and irritating most of the time. Um, I did like some of the middle songs, some of the more album track songs felt more interesting, like Brambles. But I don't know. I, I've seen it has good reviews and I just really don't get it. Really? I, but, Is it? Yeah. For me, this this really shows me, like, I get annoyed about Arctic Monkeys, but, like, this show has <laughs> still got so much further to fall. <laughs> so, <laughs> what a random comment, but, yeah. So, uh, well, it, it's, it feels like they're aiming for that kind of vibe. There's, like, a... Do you think? Like, a, ah, there's, like, a s- smoothness to it. Mm. And it, a, he croons. He does croon. So it just feels like he's going for that angle of rock a little bit yeah a bit more poppy yeah so I, I don't know i i'll jump in because i feel like i agree with 
pretty much everything you've said. Um, mm. But like so much could be said about this album, but I kind of feel like it's a bit silly to waste time on it <laughs> because it feels so disposable and so mm. predictably pointless. Like it, I just, next to pretty much everything else here, there's just nothing to it. Um, the songs are catchy. And I remembered the hooks from songs like American Spirit and Superstar more than probably any other song on the playlist. But it's just big, dumb music that feels pretty <laughs> lifeless. Um, and I, I feel like it, it's exactly what you said. I, I got Ro- Royal Blood is the very closest comparison or Muse yeah. maybe. But I, I don't even think he has the star quality to be able to pull it off, even against like those sorts of bands who I know you... You aren't huge on them, um, but they at least feel like they've got something. Um, th- this, to me, this feels like music for people who demand like real music and like rock and roll lives on. Like we want rock back, yeah. And then all they actually want is just catchy hooks and overblown guitar riffs. Mm-hmm. And it's like if they were saying something, you'd go, yeah, fine, it, that's fine. But th- there's just nothingness, like. Th- <laughs> There's just nothing to it. And uh, it annoys me that the people that will love this will claim that other things are disposable when they're absolutely not. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The worst mm-hmm. people you know will like this album. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. I hope well, Fran likes it now. Yeah. I really hope Fran likes it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think there's any possibility that I like this album? No. Um, <laughs> Just to rewind slightly, I think you did really well this month, Matt, because before we even started, you managed to pick albums by two bands I already had a really negative opinion about. So if, if your aim was to make me lukewarm to the playlist before I even heard it, then well done. Um, in fairness, one of those bands made me slightly improve my opinion of them, but it wasn't this band. This band are beyond shit. Uh, this is awful, aggressive man rock about taking women home. The whole bit about I'm not here to be conquered or defeated when he's talking about me meeting a woman in a bar I just thought, oh, it made me feel quite sick. Uh, it's just, yeah, it just sounds so tough, doesn't he? Just what a massive dickhead. Um, I think Man of the Hour is the epitome of everything I dislike about this band, the terrible lyrics, the, the chorus when he starts singing about the rock star, porn star, Man of mm. the Hour. Oh, oh my God. It's just cringe on toast. And don't get me started on the song... American Spirit. I actually genuinely think that is a contender for the worst song either of you have ever made me listen to. Um, I think this album and band have no redeeming features at all. It's just macho twat rock with one of the worst band names I can remember and it can get in the bin. And that's all I have to say. Put that on the CD. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> try and pivot away from that. Uh, yeah. Who wants to talk about New Dad? Let's talk about them. I, I can if you want. You go. go for it. Yeah, well, I've, I've been pretty much obsessed with this album this month, to be honest, um, right from my first listen. I really love the opening song, Angel, um, and I think that song sets up an expectation that we're going to get like a pretty straight down the line shoegaze album, uh, similar to sort of their fellow Irish band, Just Mustard. But I think they really quickly subvert that with another great song straight after. I think Sickly Sweet is less heavy. The guitars are still pretty grimy, but it, it doesn't sound like a shoegaze song. It's almost something in, in some ways it made me think about the bands that are around the Britpop era, but a bit edgier bands like garbage and stuff like that, but like an updated mm. version. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really, it's really great opening with those two songs. And then I think, I think they do continue to surprise throughout. I think 
the next song where I go slows it down. Um, and I know on my early listens to the album, I kind of, I felt a little bit disappointed that it didn't stay as immediate and loud as Angel. But these, these slower songs really massively grew on me. I think they still have some aggressive guitars. There's a, the guitar line in the middle of um, that song is is still quite quite loud. Um, and I think that's a theme throughout. And I think the slower songs show what a cracking vocalist Julia Dawson is. Um, and then there's some like there's some poppier moments as the album goes on as well. Um, I think there are a couple of occasions where I actually ended up thinking that wet leg fans should be forced to listen to New Dad so they can see how a band can do that kind of music without being really annoying. I think in my head felt like that kind of vibe. Um, and that was one of the better songs here. And I think Dream of Me was the one that really gave me a good version of wet leg feeling. Um, and I don't think there's any moment where the, the album really totally drops the ball. I do think it tails off slightly in the middle, but then I think it picks up massively towards the end with White Ribbons, which is is one of my favourite songs of this year so far. So yeah, it's, it's safe to say I'm a big fan of this. It's so big a fan, in fact, that I've spent most of this week screaming at my phone because I keep getting notifications on Twickets that there's a ticket available. And then I'm too late to get to it because there must be lots of people waiting for me. Uh, I think I've missed out about 20 times this week. They're actually playing at Band on the Wall tonight, the night we're recording. And it's obviously too soon for me to beg on the podcast for a ticket. But never mind. Um, but yeah, despite all that, I do I do have one minor negative and one reason. I didn't pick it for the lyrics question because when, when you sent the question through, Sam, my first thought was, well, New Dad's obviously the one I've connected to the most. But then I really started thinking about the lyrics and concentrating on them. And I did come away thinking they're a bit predictable. I think there were times when if you pause the album at random, a new listener could probably guess the exact word they're about to rhyme, align with. So I think maybe I wish the album said something a little bit more original with its words, even though it's got some interesting content. But I do think that's just a minor concern and maybe you know something for them to work on to make album two even better. But, um, but generally, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, and second podcast in a row where we've had a really good Irish album so there's a lot of good music coming out from there at the moment yeah and that's you, me on new dad do you want to jump in matt sure yeah i was gonna start it's yeah another slightly scuzzy irish indie rock band that's mm. pretty good yeah um i'd say that the you, you mentioned the shoegaze element so i'd also say that like um it leans quite heavily into the dream poppiness and mm. um, it reminded me more of wolf alice um mm. which Especially considering you gave it a very positive review, I was surprised. I wasn't sure which way. You compare it would go. everyone to Wolf. Every time a band has a woman singing, you guys compare them to Wolf Alice. It's nah, every time. This That's is, right. It's getting as much as the Fleetwood Mac comparisons. It's nah. like every every band with a woman singing sounds like Wolf Alice. Especially, especially the song "In My Head" and I think okay. uh, "Nosebleed." Yeah, um, which I think signify a big like transition in that in the album. Um, they they especially sound like they're so like that dream poppy rock that it's 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 it could be a whole phallus song um and that's not a bad thing um but i i would agree i i think um as you kind of move away from these kind of uh songs you start to get into it all gets a little bit pedestrian um in the second half of the album uh it feels like they're, they're trying to reach something that's like a bigger sound but it doesn't quite click. Um, I found that, to be honest, across the whole album, often they, you're waiting for like a big payoff moment in the chorus or after a build, and none of them are like, I'm not looking for something that's transcendent or something, but nothing has like 
uh, that really like critical moment in the album to like catapult it from something that's pretty good all the way through to like this is my new favorite album um and so as a result the whole thing just washes over me a little bit but it's really good and i enjoyed a lot it just again like i say i'm not maybe stand out and not i'm definitely going to be putting sprints on all year and mm. i don't know how often i'll be coming back to this yeah, yeah. i i i feel like i'm more aligned with matt on this um i it took a while for me to kind of settle into this album but i think once i did i did really enjoy it um i think it is probably one of the most consistently good albums on the playlist um i i wrote down wolf alice as well i feel like it's it's more of like you you say dream pop i I was thinking more like that the kind of bedroom pop thing that's happened recently there's lots of acts that i feel like are falling into a similar sort of category and this feels like more of like a rock take on that um but i feel like they're not doing very much that's like completely original but i think the songs leave a bigger impression than they would do if they were just like a copycat band of someone else i feel like they as like an album i feel like they are really kind of going here is our sound and there'll be people that will start comparing other bands to them. That I feel like most of the album feels like that. I agree that I think I feel like the middle part, um, I think nightmares around that point. Um, mm. I just don't think it lives up to that early promise. I think sickly sweet is what is great and where I go as yeah. well. I really love the build on that song. Um, and then I feel like it ends really well as well. Um, so if, as an album, you've got a really great start, a really great end, it loses its way slightly in the middle, but obviously it's not long enough that that matters as much. Um, I think the the best moments are where the musically they really go for it with kind of a really like big sound with the guitars um, and they, they sound really in command of the music, but then the vocals are really dreamy. I feel like when you've got those two things happening at the same time, it really works. And as soon as they start to deviate from that, I f- feel like that's when it loses its way slightly. Um, so it was, it's not an end to end killer album, but I think it's, I really enjoyed it. Um, mm. And it is, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, I enjoyed it this month for sure. Um, yeah. Sure. Um, let's, let's finish all the new releases. I'll talk about future islands. Shall I? People who aren't there anymore. Um, I have. I don't think I've ever listened to Future Islands before, but both of you can correct me if that. No, never true. been on the podcast before. So because last time I said that, I'd listened to an album and said yeah. it was good. So um, <laughs> yeah. I but the main that was thing. Julia Jackson, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The main. I would be thing, surprised if you haven't heard the big song, but. My main thing is I do not know how I could not tell how old this lead singer was. You could have told me that this was the 70 year old man and I would have believed you. He sounds so he has such a unique voice that I found it impossible to talk about the album without mentioning it. It's it's distracting to the point of almost like ruining any take I could have about the album. I kind of got similar feelings to when I talk about the national to like that, the, the vote, the voice is so key because it's so prevalent on the record that it's Mm. like make or break. Um, I've written down like an old wizard singing an indie pop record, (laughs) but I actually really enjoyed the album. I feel like 
I really enjoy the music a lot and the blend of genres that they pull from. I really like the influences of more of a dance, dancier sound. Um, there's kind of like a Cynthia pop element. I think corner of my eye is a joy. I love the energy on Iris and give them, give me the ghost back. Uh, reach is another preach preach. I've written, I've peach. written, I've written reach peach. 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 I couldn't have Definitely I can't read my notes. Peach is another highlight. I feel like that would be really good live. Um, so yeah, I, I settled into the album as it went on, but I couldn't, I couldn't shake whether I was just like tolerating his. Mm. He just has this like dramatic reading style of singing, like he's reading it from like a novel, and I can't. I played this for a couple of people, and they're like, "What is this? This is what are you listening to?" I don't know if you just have to push through it, and maybe if I've heard, if I'd heard previous albums, I would not even be saying this. But as an initial listen of hearing this band, it's all I could think about. Um, so yeah, that's cool. what. So I think you should. So they made that they went from like a touring band that some people knew to like a viral sensation when he went or they went on Letterman, maybe like eight years okay. ago. Um, so you should watch, maybe try watching that and see what you think. He's worth um, watching as a performer for sure. I imagine yeah. so, yeah. He's an interesting performer. I'm not saying, yeah, whether I think that's a good or a bad recommend, you know, I'm not saying yeah. that's a good thing. But... <laughs> yeah, because it, it was, it was like a massive moment and they became massive mm. for like a little bit. Um, um, and I, I personally, I, I'm just going to jump in there. I, I enjoyed that album that. Uh, from that time, I th- I th- forgot what it's called. Seasons, or is that the song? Yeah, that's the, um, that's something. One of the things. Uh, <laughs> wow, we're so knowledgeable about music. Yeah, but they've. Uh, I know that they've completely rejected that album now, and they never mm-hmm. play any of those songs. I don't think because it turned them into something that they did, they didn't want to be, and they, I think they mm-hmm. thought it was yeah. a bit of a sellout, um, which is fair enough. But when I listen to this album, I'm just like, this is just a less good version. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they do need to sell out a bit. I, I, I don't know. Like this, they have a pattern to their music uh, of like, it starts pretty quiet and then it builds up. And then by the final quarter of the song, it's get, hitting something pretty big and then it cuts out. And I'd say 80% of their songs follow that pattern. Um, and... I think it generally works, but it does for me. It works because of his voice and his delivery. The music's nice, but his kind of bombastic delivery is what makes the band interesting. Um, but I don't think I think it's a. I'm going to say a similar issue to the Angry Black Men record of like he is going at max maximum the entire time, and so it makes it hard to have a like dynamic nature to the album as a whole because he's he can't help but put all his heart and soul into every single word he's singing um and so it just you you don't know what are the standout moments because everything there's no lows so there can't be highs um yeah so i i sam i think sam should go back and listen to the other ones but i'm not gonna listen to this album again I thought you said, but I'm not going to. I thought you were going to say, but I'm not going to. Um, but yeah, well, 
I was pretty downbeat about this when you picked it, Matt. As I've already mentioned, um, Future Islands I've tried to get into before. They're a band I've um, I've actually yeah tried for several reasons to get into them. One of them is that they've been headlining a couple of festivals I've been at, so I wanted to give them a go, see if it was going to see them. But another one is that uh, quite a few people have told me I should like them because I like the National. And after trying again with this album, I want to tell people, tell those people that they don't understand music and are talking absolute politics. <laughs> because other than being white men with guitars, I see little to no similarities between the two bands. Um, that moan aside, though, my experience with this album did go a little bit better than I expected, considering I haven't been able to get into them at all in the past. I do quite like the way the album opens. I think King of Sweden and The Tower are both pretty energetic, pretty engaging. They certainly at least demand attention. Um, and there are other songs throughout that I could say the same thing about. I think Say Goodbye is one. I think it's really catchy in the chorus and it's got some pretty decent 80s sounds there. Um, my favourite track's The Thief, um, which I think is the most interesting, unusual song here. It has a really good build. And I do like Peach or Preach or Peach <laughs> or whatever Sam wants to call it. Um, I think they're at the best on this album when they sound like they're from 1985. Uh, and that song does. But um, but honestly, whenever they veer towards ballads, they're just so unbelievably dull. Um, I think Deep in the Night and Corner of My Eye, for example, they're just so bland. And I, the way he sings, it makes it feel like he thinks the songs are full, so full of emotion, but it, it just doesn't land. And yeah, in the end, all my previous problems with this band really did were the things that stood out the most. I do not like his voice or delivery at all. I think he sings like he's barely opening his mouth for some reason. Uh, it's like, I don't know, like he's a blow-up doll and he can't open his mouth any further <laughs> and it annoys the fuck oh. out of me. Um, and I think they're just so full of drama. The band, the songs and the way he performs and the way he sings is so full of drama, but he doesn't say anything that justifies it. And overall, I just think they're quite boring. So despite this being better than I expected. And there've been a few songs that I did get into. I still think they're shit. And that's, yeah, probably <laughs> okay. how I feel. Okay. Well, we know where we are with that now. Um, let's never talk about it again. Um, <laughs> who wants to talk about Shaka Khan? Matt, you should talk about Shaka Khan. Yeah. I should talk about it. Okay. You should sing some Shaka Khan to us, Matt. You're going to sing? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to sing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could just do the bit from uh, one of the songs that we didn't wasn't on the album where they just go Shaka Khan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Okay, there you go. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go. Uh, I well, I thought this was a really like uh, kind of I say like a nice album. It was a good time to listen to. It's music that kind of puts a smile on your face. Um, it does feel <clears throat> this whole kind of era of music feels very kind of rich and excessive but um and as a result some of the maybe the smoother songs are not my fave but um it did it did like every time i listened to it i wasn't i was uh having a good time with the album and um, i think there's some clear standouts like fate it's mm. uh that's like just a great song, and it's fun to hear like the original sample from yeah. um, oh that nineties song. Yeah, <laughs> right I spent the, the whole time thinking that nineties song. What was it? It was annoying me. Uh, that sample, I couldn't. And and then I think that that was it. Must have been like a standout single or something. But beyond that, I really liked "I Know You" and "I Live You." 
I think that was also mm. really, really great. It had a lot of very fun drama to it and it was very playful and it had like a lot of brass in it, but it really worked and amped up the song. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. Um, but I think some at some points in the album, it also just kind of missed its focus a little bit. It was drifting a little bit. It was focusing more on just um, this clean, smooth aesthetic. And I, I wasn't really about that. Um, and then, yeah, obviously her voice is amazing. I, I guess I was disappointed not to I, hear some of the songs I know that she does. I was curious. I was curious about the out, like why this album is it, whether it's her best album or uh, or like critically, because I, I feel like I know three or four Shaka Khan songs and, and I hadn't heard any on here. Um, but that was it. Was a, ni- a nice surprise. Um, and then I was also just I don't know if you guys know, know this, but she featured on a Bombay Bicycle album. Bombay oh, really? Bicycle Club album last year. Okay. <laughs> okay. And she was one of the highlights. It was so a song called Tekken Two. Okay. okay. Wow. It's so weird. It <laughs> um, it's a bad album. It's not worth listening to. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she's maybe the high. Yeah, like you said, she's maybe the highlight. So I, I like I, Tekken I, Two though. Tekken Two was a great game. So it was. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Album as a whole, I liked it. It was fun, and it was a nice like tail to, to the playlist yeah yeah i i agree i feel like we needed an album like this on the playlist i think everything else is very serious even yeah. even the why i love bit I, I feel like uh just like oh it's serious music about serious things and this it was <laughs> nice to have just like a joyous album um as a classic I, I really really liked this album actually and i, I picked this one because i, I just checked around like when there's like rankings of lists and yeah. i think because her career the songs that you're thinking of so like i'm every woman or yeah. uh ain't nobody or like the, those things it was either shaka khan and rufus and then they would have like a song or an album of it so i don't think there was ever like an album era it was kind of like the singles would be like sometimes on an album and they're, they're so separated across so many years that I think this ended up being like the most consistent album, even though it didn't have all of those hits on it. Cool. Um, and I'm glad we picked this because I really enjoyed that transitional period from like a seventies to an eighties sound that I feel like yeah. you get on this. She's pulling from like lots of genres. She's really pulling from like soul music and um, like seventies, uh, like R and B, but also I really enjoyed like the jazz elements, uh, like that, that song and the melody still lingers on. Um, I that's like a jazz standard that she's like rewritten new lyrics to, um, and I really enjoyed that. It's uh, the way she riffs with her voice feels very jazz singer, um, on things like that. And I feel like this has given me a lot of respect for her as a musician, um, not just as a kind of like pop icon, um, as like, um, yeah. I think the fact that this album opens with a funky version of a Beatles song surely sent Fran into a meltdown. Uh, but <laughs> I, enjoyed, I even noticed, to be honest. I enjoyed the fact that it did. Um, yeah, her voice is a joy. Night Moods. Um, I think I Know You, I Live You. That is my favourite song on here. Um, the way she sings that hook is just what I want from a vocalist. It's so full of life and energy and like 
it's so easy to listen to. Um, and I feel like that's why, that's how you go from just being a singer to being like someone that years on, decades on, people still want to listen to your voice um, and still want to hear hear you. I think Fate similar on that the way she sings on that song is amazing um yeah i really really enjoyed this and so i I thought it was a good classic but let's go to fran (laughs) well i mean it probably shows my level of engagement with this album and when you just said that about the beatles song it took i didn't even i hadn't picked that up and i've just i just went to look at the album and realized yeah it should have been pretty obvious from the title but i didn't i didn't pick that up um and to carry on my theme today of moaning at people for choosing these before I even listened to them, I was also pretty underwhelmed when you picked this, mainly because my sister used to listen to Shaka Khan quite a lot when I was younger, and I, I didn't really have any desire or excitement to to listen to her again. I think she's obviously hugely important, but just not really in, in genres that mean anything to me. So I did feel nonplus going in, but of those on the playlist that I wasn't excited for, this was the pleasant surprise. Um, I'm not saying I'm going to be rushing out to buy the record, but it, it was largely non-offensive. It, it was enjoyable at times. It was definitely more listenable than the last classic, um, which was between the period of me, but I mean, that's not saying a lot. Um, but yeah, I agree with some of what you guys are saying. She's clearly got a really soulful voice. You can clearly hear how influential she is. I think Matt mentioned a sample, but it felt to me like I heard a few bits of music on this on this record that have been sampled elsewhere so clearly she's she's influential but yeah other than that i don't have a lot to say i mean the pleasant surprise for me was that it was listenable and didn't annoy me and it was really clear why she has the status and regard she does but it's just it isn't my type of music so i didn't personally really get very engaged with it but um but i didn't hate it wow yeah. I didn't hate it. That's the yeah. that's the level of <laughs> the dream of every artist. Yeah, it's um, pretty high praise from me. What did um, did you hate the playlist or did you not hate the playlist, Fran? Me, well, I love both New Dad and um, Legend of ABM, Angry Black Men. I really liked both of those albums a lot, and um, there were bits of Future Island that I really liked and the, you know, Shaka Khan was, so it wasn't, it wasn't a bad playlist for me. If you take away Frank Carter and the, and the Rattlesnakes, it wasn't a bad playlist for me. It wasn't, you know, mind blowing, but um, I think those two albums being at the start kind of probably made me more excited to get back to it than I would have been if they'd been mixed in, if that makes sense. Cause I did really yeah. like it for them. So yeah, not a terrible one for me. No. Yeah. I, I felt like it was, it, I, it would often feel like a mixed bag and then mm. I'd enjoy things slightly more than I remembered enjoying them. But there was nothing that I feel like was game-changing um, of like, this will be on my list of the year or anything. Mm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What about you, Matt? I, I think I 100% agree. It's, it's like lower middle over everything we've covered. And it is that thing of, there are some stuff I like here, but there's nothing that, that I'm excited to put on. There, was no, there wasn't a single album which was like, I want to listen to this one again right now. And so that's why I'm going to put the playlist on. And so that if I don't have that, it always makes it harder to get into, get into the playlist if there's not one standout thing that's like a must. Um, but yeah. It actually sounds like I like the playlist the best. Yeah. yeah. I'm quite negative <laughs> today, really. It sounds like I enjoyed it the most. Because I knew Dad was... I was I was on holiday for a week of this um, 
of this month and new dad and the new smile album were, were practically the only albums i listened to on that trip so i i, I did get a lot from it so it sounds like i liked it more than you did. yeah maybe <laughs> Which sound is like mad. a miserable bastard for the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't want you any other way, yeah. obviously. Um, okay, so we're going to go on to the Why I Love section, and I'm going to tell everyone why I love Bjork. Um, I'm probably going to pronounce Bjork in about seven different ways in this. Um, so I'm sorry to all of Iceland. Bjork. Um, yeah, there's no story really attached to, like, Bjork or anything that any reason why I've picked it for this like we, we, we sometimes do sometimes it's like a long story of um again I, I mean I have to thank my mum for this uh, for her music taste for like exposing me to music like this when I was a kid um for someone as exciting as Bjork at such a young age I feel like but there's no like journey that I've been on with her she, instead she just kind of feels like one of those artists that has just always been there um I, I can just remember like human behavior blasting out at home um, and just really enjoying it, but not really being un- able to unpick what was going on um, at that point. And then now I'm, um, I do the same and I'll, I do it from my house. Um, it's hard to think of anyone in like popular music um, in, in a way that has been anywhere near as daring as forward thinking and it's just creative as Bjork has been in the last three decades and all within the realm of popular music itself. Um, because th- no one this experimental or like anyone like this ends up with 20 charting hits on the UK singles chart, but Bjork has. And the, it, it just feels like there's a universal love for someone that can create music in in the way that she does um i mean her voice is undeniable and completely unique um we talk about other artists using their voices like an instrument sometimes but i'm not sure anyone does in the way that bjork does um even at the times when like lyrics will be tangled up in like obtuse metaphors and like they don't really make any sense or they're in different languages or the confusing phrasing it always feels um, intentional the way that she sings something. Um, and I feel like that intentional way of making music comes across in everything that she does. You, you know, you never listen to, I never listen to her music and think that something's happened by accident. And um, even the free kind of let nature be the music, let kind of let's use this thing that's a real life thing. And um, even they come from a place of intention and, like um, the way that she's, she experiments with music is she always seems to be uh, in charge. Like she, she's very much in control of what the sound is. Um, I, I put this playlist together in, in like in the order of like at least one track from every single album from her career. Um, and I think it's just to kind of prove how creative she's remained for three decades now. Um I think the early music of like the deep house um, inspiration on violently happy um, and moves into like the industrial sound of enjoy and Pluto. Um, and then you have like the string arrangements of something like yoga or play dead um, that really transform 
your expectations of electronic music, all of that music sounds so relevant and current now. And it, it, I can't imagine hearing that at the, if, if I had heard that at the age I am now in the nineties, um, I can't imagine what that would be doing. Like it's, it's so transformative of pulling music from, um, a genre that I already love and, and adding so many layers to it. I think homogenic that has the three songs from that on the playlist. Um, that's undeniably my favorite album of her career. Um, I could have just picked that album. Um, probably my top five of all time maybe um it's hard to overstate how how like emotive that album is and how densely layered it is as like an electronic album um the crispness of the drums on hunter um that there's nothing that i've heard that reaches that level of um directness in music um and I feel like if anyone listening leaves this why I love with doing anything or is you should go and listen to homogenic as an album. Um, cause I think it's just phenomenal. Um, she's just such a, so clearly a fan of like so many musical genres. Um, and, but she has no reason to stick with what's expected of her. Um, you go through the rest of her albums on this playlist, kind of following that like initial commercial peak, and you get like such dynamic music, but also just utterly bonkers music. Um, so far into her career, I love Medulla, the album that's completely composed of sounds from the human voice. Um, Oceana on the playlist is from that, and that it's just such a it's like otherworldly. It's like a creation. It appeared from somewhere, and then like Volta is like intense protest music. There's something like that you can't compare to seeing. There's like a woman dressed in like this ornate headdress and this like massive wig screaming to Claire independence at like this crowd on stage at her audience. And it's like, this is the same woman that had all of these big hits in the nineties. And it's like, is using a platform to do something and say something. Um, I think as you go like to the more recent stuff, I think Biophilia was, that was probably the album that changed me from just being a casual fan into like of like a real fan um who really listened like really dived into all of the music um i think mutual core is probably the song that really hooked me and um i i I remember going and buying that on cd and that was the first one that i think i owned um which is that's relatively recent i think that was 2011 um and then you go into volnacura which um that album it's probably the second one I would recommend someone listen to if they don't know any of these, um, because it's just absolutely devastating the album uh, as a breakup album. It's, it's the most devastating one you'll hear in a long time. I finally got to see Bjork perform live for that album at Castlefield and watching her perform like the 10 minute song Black Lake, um, which I wish I could have picked on this, but I didn't want to inflict a 10 minute song on you. Um, <laughs> hearing it live was just magnificent and like she had like a whole orchestra playing with her and it was um to be making music like that so far into your career and it be so relevant to a newer generation I feel like it says a lot and um, because I'm not the generation that um was listening to Bjork in the 90s uh like a lot of the people that would have been at that gig I feel like that's where it's come down um, the generations and how she's been able to stay relevant. 
Um, and I think it says a lot that even when I'm not a fan of maybe some of her albums, I feel like the last two, Utopia and Fasora, haven't really connected with me. I'm still glad she's daring and experimental. That that song, Atopos, that I put on the very end, um, that song is just unhinged. And the fact that <laughs> a woman who's the same age as my mum is making music like that and jumping around in the video to that of like this like wind instrument cacophony of just nightmarish sound is just amazing. Like it's, it's chaos and I, I love it. I feel like it's it's a good way to end by having a song with someone that I feel like is doing what Bjork was doing in her, the, her early career and that song with Rosalia. Um, and I feel like that comes full circle to show there's so many artists I love that owe everything to her, that owe so much of their sound and the way that they developed. I think Bon Iver has pulled a lot of that. If you listen to 22 A Million, I feel mm. like a lot of that pulls from a lot of the experimentation that was happening in the late 90s, early 2000s on these albums. Um, and I, I I can see those links. So ending that way, I feel like was a perfect way of doing that. Um, I said I didn't have a story and I've talked for ages. Mm. So um, <laughs> let's, start with, uh, let's start with Fran, actually, because I know, Matt, you do know Bjork quite well. So I want to start with Fran. Okay. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I've always had a bit of a strange relationship with Bjork in terms of I, I kind of, she feels like an artist I should love. And there is so much I really do like admire and respect about her. Everything you're saying, I don't disagree with anything. Like I, I think she's clearly a musical genius. And I think listening to this playlist has only strengthened and reinforced that. And I do think she's a real boundary pusher. I think she's a pioneer. I think what you're saying about her being influential is just really clear. And I, I love an artist or band who changes throughout their career, who tries new things, and particularly when they retain their own sort of core identity when they change. Yeah. And I think I think she really does that. And I think again, listening to this playlist has has made that really evident. And and I think she's also either collaborated or is highly rated by a lot of bands and artists I love. I think probably my favourite thing about this playlist was that Sam ended up being the first picky bastard to pick a Tom York song in the Why I Love section. So that made me quite proud. Um but yeah, as much as I do and always have felt all those things about Bjork and I do really rate her, she's never really been an artist that personally excites me. Like, I don't get that connection when I listen to her music, really. Um, I was hoping that a curated playlist by a true fan might change that. And it did to a degree, but but not really. I mean, there are songs throughout the playlist that I like and there are no songs that I dislike, apart from maybe the Rosalia one. Um, but there are only a couple of occasions when I connect to the music in the way that most people seem to. Like, I know a lot of people who absolutely love Bjork. Um, one song is obviously I've Seen It All with Tom York. I, I have known and loved that song for a long time. I think the lyrics to that song are just fascinating. And it's two really weird artists doing mm. a song together, and the lyrics are really, really interesting. Mutual Core is fantastic. It's an immense tune. I can't argue with that. I think the one song that I, I had heard before, but probably hadn't spent a lot of time with, and the one that I think is real top level worthy of all the hype worthy of everything is i think it's pronounced yoga um that, that that's is, their best song i, th- I feel like that's mind-blowing that song uh, that's that my favorite incredible song. so yeah. absolutely get that i just wish i had the same reaction to the other 90 percent of the playlist and, and i personally don't i do think that i'm holding bjork up to a slightly higher standard than i do with a lot of the artists we cover in this section um i think she's talked about as one of the greats and i think that's right 
So I think when I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about her on that level and whether she is that for me. And, and she's not for me, but I do get why people hold her up there. So yeah, it's a good playlist and I do totally get it. It's just that I still don't personally think I'm going to go away and listen to Bjork in my own time. I, I think you should listen to a couple of the albums from around yeah. that time. Like I would listen to Homogenic and Vespertine if, if you'd like. Okay. I've seen it all as well. Yeah. Um, the I mean, that's from the film uh, Dancer in the Dark. Uh, okay. That yeah, film yeah. is a, a, a weird film, uh, as yes. you'd expect. <laughs> yeah, um, it's quite weird. She's, I think she's she's blind in that film. Yeah, I have seen it. It's okay. Yeah, it's very uh, harrowing as well as having okay. songs and random musical numbers. Um, right. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I would suggest those sorts of that era, if, if that's what you've connected with. Because... Okay. The rest of the music is is very much like that. There's there's other songs she did with Tom York at that time as well. That, yeah, and uh, she's done a lot with a lot with Tom. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, generally, you know, she is obviously amazing. So I'm not arguing that. But yeah, Let, let's go to Matt. Yeah, I think well, Fran Fran needs. To, I, it does surprise me you don't like her more. Yeah, I don't but, really get it. Because it, <laughs> but anyway. it is clearly in your wheelhouse yeah <laughs> and and as sam was saying and, and to a certain extent you like i would she is maybe the most as far as icons go from our lifetime she's in the conversation for yeah the most yeah important and the most for sure uh yeah most influential most important tom york would also be in that conversation but i would put considering her influence on the modern pop as well mm. Um, which was a really nice touch, putting Ros- Ros- Rosalia at the end. It's you can clearly see the connections. It, it, it her influence now is getting bigger and bigger and accelerating, which is it's just crazy. This many years on, um, and yeah, I, I, yeah, I love her. I think she's great. I think she's really interesting. Her whole career is very interesting. I do fall on the side of I I think her earlier more accessible. It's not like it's super accessible, but her earlier stuff yeah, is yeah. much more. The albums I'm going to put on, um, and actually, I I ha- I have a story. So mm-hmm. this uh, this Bjork was one of the first artists, apart from apart from like Aha and Duran Duran, first artists of my from my dad that I actually engaged with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when Homogenic came out, and largely because of Hunter, because I was obsessed. I loved Hunter, and I thought yeah. it sounded like a like the industrial sound sounded like a train, mm. and I was just like really into that as like an eight year old. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, and so that became an album that I would like. I would request, and even my brother would also want to hear because of that. And a lot of the time, we were rejecting what other songs my dad wanted to play or not David Bowie again <laughs> <laughs> but let's put Bjork on um and so it it's been around for me for a while um but yeah like she's an icon and I um absolutely love it this playlist was great and I also I think it listening to the, the later songs that you put in, I, it did make me think I need to give them more time and do I, that deep dive that you went on to crack it open. Yeah, I, I would say the last two albums are a struggle. Um, I think especially Utopia 
that is like an hour and 20 minutes of just like flute music and it's just yeah. not really <laughs> it's just a lot and um i think but i think vulnacure is the one to go for because that feels like kind of in a lot of ways like a sequel album to something like vespertine um yeah so it's like that commercial thing it's the most commercial thing she's had yet um i don't know the song from that on this quicksand isn't that uh, it's probably one of the most experimental songs on the album but is in i think lyrically it's probably the most lyrical album that she's had in many years um where that is the focus so that's a good starting point for sure if you want to listen to any of the recent stuff for sure um cool. but don't lose faith if you're listening to the like last album and all of the like horn noises and things it's it is a <laughs> lot i think what's crazy is that um she's you uh, you know I love the Grammys. I will obviously have a Grammys fact. She's been nominated for best alternative album for every single album she's ever released. Like I think really? other than her first album, since then she's been nominated every time, and she's never ever won. She's got like the third, she's got like the third most nominations of anyone to not win. And so it's like a long, it's an ongoing joke that every year it's like she's gonna get nominated she's never going to win. And it's just like every album that she consistently keeps being nominated, no matter what it is. Um, uh, so who, I, beat I her, like, who beat her with Homogenic? Probably someone terrible. So yeah. I can't remember, but they didn't deserve it. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <I think laughs> one, one other thing that I wanted to mention was the aesthetic. You talk about mm, her being very yeah, powerful. Yeah. And... Even even in her like even maybe even more so in her newer stuff, you can tell that that purpose is so and there's such a clarity of vision. You could have done a whole thing on just the visuals of like like, she's one of those people where the music videos are like artwork. It's it's so much part of the process that yeah. Um. So and like like her last tour, she had all of this like projection stuff uh, and like the 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 stage was like made into this like mushroom or something. It was very, <laughs> it was a whole thing, but like it's, it's the visual is so important in her like whole uh, career. So yeah, the fact I didn't mention it is a bit silly. No. <laughs> so glad you did, Matt. I always hit help. Um, yeah. With that, we've reached the end of Picky Bee's episode 73. Um, next month we'll have, Hopefully another great playlist for you all. Um, I have picked uh, Mountainhead by Everything Everything and Girl With No Face by Ali X. Uh, what have you picked, Matt? I picked uh, Tank from Idols and <laughs> Grip from Serpent With Feet. Good names. Um, what are you going with as host, Fran? So, yeah, so my choice for classic is uh, Otis Redding with Otis Blue. And I, in the Why I Love section, I'm going to be talking about a little band called Radiohead. It's taken oh, 74 episodes to get there. 74 episodes <laughs> yeah. finally happening. Well, um, 73 to get to Bjork, 74 to get to Radiohead. I think <laughs> pretty big artist we're recovering. Matt, you're going to have to pull out some well, no one's ever heard of in the following episode. You have to do it about some Busco from Brighton. I'm going to just do a, another crappy indie band. <laughs> really annoys that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, you can follow us over on Twitter, uh, Picky Bastards, and check out pickybees.com. There's been some good reviews recently. I wrote one about Brittany Howard's <laughs> amazing album, 
which I wish we'd picked for the podcast, but we didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, likewise. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't. I think uh, there's some other ones as well. Some great reviews, great stuff on there. Um, and we'll see you all next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.